0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Now, just over a month ago, you may remember, as part of our coverage, and we've been doing ongoing coverage, catching up on post-Cyclone Gabrielle aftermath in the Hawke's Bay, but about a month or so ago, just over, we talked to Louise Parsons and Daniel Gale from the Hawke's Bay. Louise, talking from a kind of residential point of view, and Daniel Um, I think, Daniel, you were were in Esk Valley. Was that correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Daniel is with us. And hi, Louise. Thanks for coming back.
1: Hi. Thanks for having us.
0: Okay, so some time has elapsed, and we thought we'd catch up because um, there was a public meeting um, organized uh, for Friday, uh, just gone, 28th of July, and um, it was an invitation for people to present policies, you know, uh, people – uh, in the area of civil defence, natural disasters and politicians, of course. And uh, uh, a few people showed up. So who wants to start talking about this? Louise, do you want to just fill us in on, on what that meeting was about and who came?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a meeting that I'd had in my head for some time. After all the meetings we had around looting and, um, you know, at the time of the cyclone, things were pretty bad. And so we sort of got the public together and in It was quite successful. So I thought, well, coming up to the election, we probably need to hear from, you know, after it's been nearly six months now. And I thought, well, after what everybody's been through and the lack of action that we're getting, let's hear what the politicians have either learnt from what we've been going through and and what their policies are going to be, you know, as we move forward. Because there's obviously going to be other disasters and it needs to improve. So, we we started inviting the political people about four months ago, and it's then I mean, really we got uh, ACT David Seymour responded straight away and CGC come. Uh, we're still waiting for Te Pāti Māori to even answer our request. Um, oh. Labour took a long long time to get somebody to commit. We did have a clash though, which was um, they had the mural Forum down in Christchurch, so uh, you know a lot of the leaders went were, were already. Involved in that, so mm. but you know, Kieran McNulty should have been here. He's the he's the um, recovery minister. Oh, so he he,
0: did, he didn't show up.
1: He didn't show up. He was coming. Well, he was that. Was, obviously, that's the one that we wanted to be here. But then, at the last minute, he decided to speak at the um, at this council forum. Um, but Chris Pink from National, who is the recovery spokesperson, he came and he was probably. Oh, him and David did really well in regards to how well. Yeah,
0: but but the one person who should have been there in the government yep. wasn't there.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Because because he had a, what a prior booking at some Merrill forum in Christchurch. Is that is that? No, what he that
1: didn't. Was? He didn't. When we asked him, not at all. Not at all. And it was probably maybe. Oh, so a- he
0: didn't have a he didn't have a prior booking. No. So why didn't he turn up? You you'd think well, that because
1: then he did then he did go to that. So that I don't know. He then spoke at the. The mural forum. Oh, okay. So we, yeah, yeah. So he was coming. They were, they, and he did. They did try. They were trying. They were going to try and get him over. Because he,
0: he's from Wire Rapper. It's not even that far away. I'd say.
1: Well, it's not. But he's not from here. You know, we had. We've been through so much, and then we've got Stuart Nash, who they stupidly sat, who was doing a lot for the community. And I know yeah. some people won't agree with me on that one, but he he was. Um, and then we had. Um, Mecca, who then defected over to, to Te Patimati, we couldn't even get her here. Um, we asked a lot of the Labor Ministers to come, but we just, we ended up getting Ginny Anderson, which is really ironic, and I'm really grateful she came, but she refused to come to our meeting about crime, and she's the Minister of Police and Minister of Justice, so she came to this one, and on meeting her, she said it, she thought it was about crime. What? <laughs> the, the does the, does the left
0: hand and the right hand not know what what, what each other well, is doing?
1: I tell you what, after the meeting, I felt very disillusioned. I don't know how Daniel feels, but I felt quite disillusioned because I think our community has, uh, you know, they've kind of, we can't give up, but I think they've kind of given up on the political powers that are going to, you know, run in with their horses and shining armour. Um, there's this whole thing with... You know, what have they learned? And we gave a big agenda. We said, these are the things we want you to talk about when you're talking about your policy. I think uh, Chris Pink was amazing. He went through absolutely everything we would ask. David is a very sensible person, David Seymour, and um, he had a lot of really good responses. Ginny Anderson spent most of the time acknowledging people, and um, I acknowledge this and I acknowledge that. We don't need acknowledging. We, we, we're we still here. We don't so, need so it. So
0: not much engagement from her, is that what you're saying?
1: A lot of huh? sympathy, but, yeah, not but sy- yeah.
0: Sympathy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, and oh, you know, well,
0: well-being just- and kindness, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what. Yeah, that's what you can
1: call it. It's not very helpful. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So, Daniel, what, what were your your impressions? Because you were, I think, first up in the lineup of of speakers. So, what what were your impressions of what um, Louise was just uh, informing us of?
1: Yeah, pr-
2: pretty similar to be honest. Um, David Seymour did cover off um, very practical uh, solutions, and um, you know he's an engineer, so he gets that side sort of things. Uh, Chris Pink, uh, he addressed all the issues, and uh, Jimmy Anderson talked a lot about inquiries.
0: What do you mean inquiries?
2: Oh. Was inquiries the right word? Uh, basically, that everything's going to get reviewed. Really? And,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> they always say that. Yeah. So. And she no, didn't even uh, know why she was actually there. It, it, as it turns out, um, if I just heard right, she thought she was there for to talk
2: about something she wasn't there to talk about. But anyway. Yeah. Besides okay. that, but yeah, my main message I wanted to get across to the politicians is that uh, we need. Flood evacuation plans, similar to a tsunami plans, so that all our riverside communities across New Zealand don't have to go through this again.
0: Yeah, I remember you saying that. And was there any um, acknowledgement of that um, from the, you know, the, the government, non-government people there?
2: Well, I suppose the closest acknowledgement was David Seymour saying that we've learned from earthquakes, and perhaps we'll now learn from floods.
0: We should have learned from floods uh, decades ago because we've been having them for as long as humans have been on the planet. (laughs)
2: Yeah, well, it's nothing new. Nelson floods every five minutes, so does the Coromandel. Auckland's a new flavour of flooding. Um, Yeah. 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 People need to be able to get out in a timely manner and they need to know what to do uh, at the appropriate time. I had a friend helping evacuate uh, the elderly in Taradale and when he asked the officials where to go uh, with the elderly, they told him 60 metres down the road to the school. That's hardly a plan, and it's hardly going to save any lives when you move from one flat place to 60 metres further down.
0: It seems that a lot of people were caught, if you don't mind me using the expression, with their trousers down here. You know, there's been there's always a lot of talk, but when it comes to the walk, it's, it, it doesn't go very deep. A- am I correct there? And was there an acknowledgement of that from the folk who turned up to listen?
2: Uh, Well, if you you deem the fact that they're going to go away and look at it as such, yes, otherwise not particularly.
0: Yeah. Do you believe them when they say they're going to go and look at it?
2: (laughs) No. Well, I'd like to, but no, I don't have much faith. Right. Right.
0: What was the turnout um, uh, members of the public like, uh, the locals? uh, uh, Did you have a good uh, number turn up, Louise?
1: Not really. It was um, a little bit disappointing, but I don't kind of blame them. Um, You know, we're nearly six months into this, and it doesn't matter how many meetings they attend, nothing changes. Right. And I think there's a certain amount of um, frustration um, and why bother you know, and it's not like that. there's apathy at all. It's just like, why bother? You know, they have got no faith that anyone of any sort of authority is going to get them out of this mess. Um, and, you know, picking up on what Daniel said about what they've learned, this was, there were a few statements made at the meeting that I just, I was kind of the mediator. So I had to be a bit careful what I said, but I just want to throw my arms up and say, what have you learned? You know, what they learned from Christchurch apparently. Is that rather than it being led from central government, we need it. We need it um, led from local government, and so that's why the flood they they turned that around and made it that it's now the recovery is led from local authorities. And yet that's the biggest problem we've got because we've got the local authorities fighting with central government about who's going to pay out, you know. And while they're fighting, my neighbours and my communities are in limbo. They don't know whether they are zone three, zone two um, because no one's going to uh, you know, give them an answer as to who's paying. So yeah, they haven't re- learnt anything yeah. from, they haven't learnt a thing from um, the Christchurch earthquake. I think what they've learnt is how to market us being prepared because that's all you hear about is be prepared, be prepared and what we've all learnt, especially in a flood, is that we aren't going to get help for two weeks because that's what happened here. There was no help for two weeks, and so we have to be, that's the preparedness we need for flooding. Um, they're not prepared. You know, they should have spent that money on, like Daniel said, let's have a plan and a, a flood plan for New Zealand, rather than tell us to be prepared. How about they take their own rhetoric and do something with that and be prepared themselves for the next disaster?
0: Well, let, let's just remember they spent $500 million on rat tests.
1: <laughs> yeah. don't now, even
0: $500 million would clean up a lot of flooding damage and help a lot of people.
1: Well, and I heard that they spent $5 million sending money off to some Asian country for pl- f- flood mitigation. That was recently in the news.
0: Do you think they – here's an honest question. Do you think they actually care? No. Because it seems by their behaviour that they don't.
1: I think they care, but they they – I don't think they have an answer. So they are all busy – coming up with excuses. You know, there was a really good question on the night and it was about the funding. So Mm. in Hawke's Bay, you know, there was this Chamber of Commerce were in charge of the funding. And that was to give up to 40 grand out to flood affected businesses. And by the time our community even knew about it, the money was all gone. So there was more money given. And then for a lot of people that were affected, By the time they heard about it, that funding had expired. Now, someone in the audience, I think it was Quint Swain actually said, well, why can't you change the deadline? You know, that's something you can do right now is change that deadline so that people can now, who never had a chance to apply for the funding can apply. We couldn't get an answer not one person could say, yeah, let's, that's a great idea. Why don't we do that?
0: Well, why couldn't you get an answer? Was it because they didn't want to have themselves personally committed to something? or
1: Absolutely. Because it's, you know, and as he pointed out, well, the treaty funding was reopened, you know, that was all reopened and, and claims that had been settled back in the day are reopened because it's not fair. Well, we're saying the same thing here. We need to reopen this funding so that people that missed out can have some of that money. That was, by the way, sent back to Grant Robinson. $8 million that wasn't able to be given out because they closed off the date was sent back to government.
0: Well, I think the government needs every dollar it can get, to be honest.
1: Well, to waste it on stupid things, Well, they've
0: already wasted it, so they're in a bind anyway, I'm Mm -hmm. just saying.
1: Well, that's why I don't think we can get answers from them because... Yeah, it would have to admit. It's like like asking for the Defence Force to be here. Why can't we have the Defence Force here? And they won't commit to that because it makes them look bad. And we've had that admitted in in meetings before, that if we get the Defence Force to come and help the police, it's admitting that the police force are in trouble. And um, we asked at the meeting on Friday, why aren't the Defence Force here cleaning up? And there's just this big, well, we can't commit to that because, you know, it's only the Prime Minister and the Defence Minister can actually um, order that.
0: You mean the Prime Minister has spent $500 million on rat tests, that guy?
1: Yeah, and the same guy that actually increased the the wages for the Defence Force, you know, that guy. Um, The Defence Minister, Andrew Little, we asked him a million times to come here. Kristen Spears, who's the co-organiser of this uh, meeting, wrote to him months ago saying, why can't we have the defence force here? She's written about three or four times, still waiting for a response, let alone a reply.
0: I mean, this is really tardy behaviour, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if it's you're running arrogant. a business and, and people were, were acting like that, you'd probably fire them.
1: It's a, oh, yeah, absolutely. They wouldn't See, you See you later. Goodbye. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, cring- it's cringy, very cringy. True. Okay, so... Um, so the purpose of the meeting was um an opportunity to share policies. Okay, were there any policies that were shared that were made sense that made sense? Uh, I mean, it's easy to say things, but anything that made sense, I mean, da- Daniel, you might have a view on this because you are hot on the way civil defence behaved during all of that.
2: yeah, and uh, to answer your question, no, no policies uh, were really announced. Uh, I did ask about catchment level. Policies, nothing there. Uh, But yeah, no, I mean, if we had, it goes back to my whole point. If Civil Defence had a flood evacuation plan and they followed it through, we wouldn't have been put uh, in the predicament that we were. And does that mean some people would have have survived?
0: Does does that mean that some people would have survived? Is that what that really means?
2: Well, if we talk about the valley uh, and we look at, I have a, an alarm, a river alarm on my own campground, oh, yeah. I have a flood evacuation plan. They are terms of my resource consent that they have to operate. Um, so if I had followed those without being proactive and evacuating everyone days prior, I still would have got everyone out with time. And um, yeah. they just don't have a plan at which point they say, right, hit that emergency button that sends to everyone's phones because when it turned up at 5.19 in the morning, it was way too late. Yeah. By two by 2.30am, the telemetry on the bridge was already smashed off. Did that not give them a, an idea?
1: <laughs> yeah, it thanks. gave them an excuse. It's what it gave them an excuse to say, well, we couldn't have back that because we had no gauge to say how high the, r- the rivers were. So the
0: fact that they were all smashed off. That is so lame. That That is is so so lame, if you don't mind me saying. It's so obvious why that there's a problem, because if the telemetry goes, it means that it's been smashed. Something's (laughs) happened. (laughs) And what's done that? Well, it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, it's pretty damn obvious.
2: (laughs) Well, when it's underneath the the structure (laughs) of the road on the bridge, it's pretty obvious that it has got really high.
0: It's embarrassing to even run that sort of defence, actually. Okay, so um, then it was how will you help affected communities navigate the ongoing impacts of cyclone Gabriel? Well, you've already said that uh, there was sort of an obf- obfuscation, I think is the word from you know people who might uh, have uh, funding questions or answering funding questions. Um, and then there were what changes will your party affect to ensure sound preparation? And, and uh, robust management for the next natural disaster. did you get any any sense out of any of them on that?
1: Um I thought Act came up with a good um, a, a good point, and that was about you know during the during the flood, there were a lot of people that used private helicopters and uh, jet boats and all sorts of things that they could grab just to save people, and then got in trouble for it. You know, oh, we can't do that because it's against the rules.
0: What do you mean, got in trouble for it?
1: Well, it's like White White Island. You know, the helicopter oh, pilots God. that went in there and, and did whatever they did to save lives, and then got prosecuted. Um, that he said, you know, all these rules need to be when it's a <laughs> when the outcome is worse than breaking the rules, then we need to lighten up on that. And I thought that was actually. Sounds obvious that you'd do that, but it's against legislation. So he did have a lot of, I think... Some Surely
0: there must be some discretion. Sorry to jump in here. You would
1: think, hey. You would absolutely I think. I mean, are these
0: people only committed to making people's lives a bloody misery?
1: Well, there was one pilot that was told to buy aviation fuel so he could keep flying and have it stacked, and they've never reimbursed him for it. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that that went on that you'd just go, What? You know, these are private citizens and, of course, everyone's going to jump in and help, but when you've got this conflict happening between now we're not going to pay for it, um, it's just beyond belief.
0: Right. Uh, now, also, if I remember rightly, uh, maybe it wasn't in the conversation that uh, we had, but there was also um, um, issues ab- about who who was, you know, funded for... Um, resurrecting their businesses, and there was a fund that was available i think through the um, chamber of commerce et cetera did did you talk was any of that talked about? who wants to yes
2: yeah, um it, it was brought up uh by one of the locals who got a pretty raw deal um in my opinion but um yeah we're we're going round and round on circles on that, like louis said it it got closed, and a lot of people didn't have a chance to In because they were so badly affected, and uh, I suppose it's the perceived lack of transparency that is one of the big issues, along with the how it was administered in terms of um, whether getting wiped out more than the other person had a factor to play,
0: yeah, and locals versus non locals, if I remember rightly,
2: yeah, local locals who are like out here and really. Badly affected versus a cafe in town who just lost power for a few days.
1: Okay. I think what the answer to to that that we heard on Friday night was that it was about viability of rebuilding the business. So the the man, Mike Beckman, who brought this up at the meeting, his whole life has been basically wiped out and loss of life even on his property. So he didn't get any money. And that's because it's probably because if they go by their guidelines, it's not viable for him to begin his new business again. So the alternative for him is bankruptcy. And that's, you know, this is what I can't understand is he's had no help at all from anybody apart from community. So, you know, his business is no longer viable, so therefore we're not going to give him anything. We'll give the cafe down the road that lost power for four days We'll give them the money instead.
0: How can you uh, trust, though, after hearing all this and the responses of the people and knowing, you know, what's happened in the time since the, uh, well, let's call it a disaster, how can uh, anyone be confident that any of pe- any of these people in charge know anything about what they're doing?
1: Yeah, I kind of left the meeting feeling like that, to be fair. I thought, you know, and to give the councils credit, you know, they have been trying to work hard with the communities, Um but I thought by inviting the people that actually do legislation that could change things for the future, yeah, I felt really let down on Friday because I thought it would be quite clear who you're going to vote for, who's going to really step up and help us.
0: Okay, so in the Q and A, because I think there was a Q and A. Yeah, there um, was. Okay, what was that like? Did it? Because sometimes people can get heated in the situation. Was there any of that?
1: No, it wasn't like that, actually. But I kind of made it quite strong, uh, you know, strong point at the start that it wasn't going to be like that because there is no point. People have vented enough. And, you know, Daniel really pointed out to me earlier in the piece when we were organising this that there's no point looking back. Let's not look back. We need to really start looking forward. And so that was kind of what the Q&A was about. But it did go back again to funding. Um, one of the questions that we asked, or we, that one of the audience members asked, was about the review that civil defence are doing. Now, there's two, according to Anna Lawke, there's two reviews because we
0: want to know. And she's the mayor, right?
1: No, Anna Lawke is the Labour MP for Tookie. Oh, I
0: beg your pardon. Okay.
1: Who, yeah. So, um, so we're out here, even though under the local authority, we're actually in the Hastings catchment. In the general election, we're not, we're actually part of Napier. Right. <laughs> it's all a bit confusing to be fair. So, mm-hmm. Anna's not actually our MP out here, but she looks after Pakapai and places like that. So, we were concerned about the, um, the civil defence review because we wondered about how independent it was. But she sort of mentioned that there were two reviews going to be done one that we could have input into, and like, I, I, and I'm thinking maybe like a select committee where we can actually. You know, put stuff in. But the other review that the council are doing themselves, like the regional council, which is supposedly independent, um, I think they just go out to the community and ask questions. And I, I worry deeply about that because uh, civil defense made a lot of mistakes that night. And you know, you talked about loss of life before. It's not, you, you probably can never say, would if they'd done things differently, would it have changed anything, but it would have absolutely have stopped the trauma for people who were stuck in trees, sitting on rooftops, mm. you know, waking up, up, up to the, swimming for their lives, basically. Yeah. It would have avoided all of that. And that seems to have been forgotten in this whole thing is that the whole of Hawke's Bay went through that. And I mean, I'm, extremely lucky. My house didn't get flooded, which if you saw where I lived, you wouldn't even believe it. But the rest of the communities went through that. The stories that you hear, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I've made friends with a 98-year-old man that we're helping with funding and stuff. And to listen to his story of what he went through, that's that's where civil defence have got blood on their hands. That could have been avoided. It should have been avoided. And you know, Daniel himself tried to get civil defence to, to do the warning and they ignored him.
0: So the the regional council, I think you mentioned um, just before, they're the ones who operated civil defence locally, right? Is that the case? the yes,
1: that's right. So they're until, they're it the becomes, ones. until it but, becomes a, um, uh, what's it called, Daniel? When it becomes a, Become, uh, I'm not sure where you're going with that, Luke. A state of emergency. Sorry. State when it becomes emergency. a state of emergency, then it goes central, and what, so then to the
0: uh, government, the Beehive, to the
1: government, to the civil defence. Um, is it Niwa? Um, you know Niwa. the. Okay. Yeah, and so when that happened, of course they have no local knowledge, so they start making um, decisions for, <laughs> um, you know blowing out the wrong stock banks and things like that. And that's where it needs to stay local. So that's where our mayors get involved because they know the communities and things better than anybody centrally.
0: Well it's obvious, isn't it? I mean that's a no-brainer. So
1: yes,
0: so the people who are investigating or, or or reviewing this or whatever you want to call it are the people. It's like the fox guarding <laughs> the hen house kind of situation. Um it's that well, you know that they're going to find themselves to have done the best that they could, mm. right?
1: Mm-hmm. Aren't they? Of course, are. Of course, yeah.
0: So, what's the point?
1: Ticking boxes.
0: Yeah, but what it does, what it says, I'm sure our audience is thinking this. What it says is, is that they don't really care about people. In the end, they don't care about them. Mm. They'd be on their knees, like begging for another chance or forgiveness, or so I, we're so sorry. But they're not, are they?
1: No, and I think that's a really good point because I sort of look at all the, you know, what our communities are going through. You know, like Daniel, for example, wants his life back and he should be allowed his life back. It's not his fault for the failings that, um, you know, previous and um, previous uh, councils have done by not having a flood plan, by not having um, this place safe. You know, there's all this mitigation going on now. Well, it's a bit late. And who's paying the price for it? Our communities are. Their lives have been completely washed away, to excuse it, to Yeah, excuse that that's technology. exactly what's happened. Yeah, And they're the ones that are waiting, and yet it's not their fault, you know? And that's what I sort of can't get my head around, is they should be on their knees. They should be saying, what can we do? This is our screw-up. You know, the trauma that you guys went through, that was our fault, and I'm not going to, you know, say anyone in particular, but the councils, the civil defence, the central government—they all have to take responsibility. Sending five million dollars offshore to help an Asian country with their mitigation—it's a—it's a bit of salt in the woo, really. But you know, to have everyone sitting there waiting for these guys that caused it to come up with—I <laughs> I saw a quote the other day, and it said something like, "Having the people that caused the problem coming up with solutions—not really ideal, is it?" No.
0: Well, you, you wouldn't do that if you if if you're being logical about it. You Daniel, do it is there
1: if running a business either?
0: Daniel, is there any prospect at all of you recovering um, and and getting the holiday park back up and running, or is that gone forever?
2: No, I'm uh, in the process of it right now. Oh wow, cool! Uh, over half my land flattened. We have the house and slash office uh, all cleaned out. Um, we, my bore is still intact my w- main water tank down there is fine got my pressure tank to pump around the systems dug out all the power networks uh, I'm in liaison with uh, Unison to get the power back onto the property uh, well the poles put back I should say Yeah. and um, yeah then I've uncovered all the septic tanks and they're intact so it's going to be a long process um, but I'm going to make it happen
0: Wow, what an effort, eh? That must have been a huge... Because it wasn't that long ago we spoke, so you must have been so full on into it.
2: Yeah, I'm lucky. I have uh, lots of friends with machines, uh, people that are willing to help me, and um, I'm very grateful for that, um, including my brother. He's a machine operator owner. Uh, My dad, he's got a digger down here today. Um, Great. Yeah, so I've got all the driveway network exposed, so... Next thing is to get rid of some silt, and um, then get the power back on and the water on and then work on the ablation blocks.
0: How far off do you think um, is opening again?
2: I'm aiming for Labor Weekend next year.
0: Okay. It's not that far away, yeah. considering, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Well, that's well, um, that's good to hear. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, how did... Uh, also, you had Garth McVicker there. What was he there for at the meeting um, there to do?
1: He actually wasn't there, sadly. Um, oh, okay, he, sorry. Yeah, yeah. He, he succumbed to the dread of COVID, so he was quite ill on the night. But the reason that I invited him is because um, Garth started the sentence Sentencing Trust, and I was in the Boots yes. um, and All, as okay. yeah. trustee, and witnessed how private citizens can actually change legislation. And, you know, to try and give the a bit of hope to our communities that, you know, we can change things and gave them, exa- so I sort of read a little blurb for him and it was about the stuff that we have changed, like three strikes, um, lowering the age of criminal responsibility, um, the $50 offender levy, um, bail laws, um, compulsory DNA testing. There were all of these things that we changed in legislation during our, our time and um, it just shows the impact it can have on community and when those things were taken away, it shows the level of crime that's happened now. Yeah. But that wasn't so much the point. It was more about we can do this. Um, Estelle School, I don't know if you remember just recently, they've they were halfway through a massive build of eight new classrooms. And after the flood, the Ministry of Education thought, well, they probably haven't suffered enough, actually. Let's let's, let's put a halt on the build. So they said, we're not going to build eight new classrooms. We're only going to give two anyway, even though we're halfway through and already spent millions on it. So there was a, a massive um, uh, protest, if you want to call that, um, and it was called hashtag We Are Still Here. And, and this is where I do want to give kudos to Stuart Nash because he worked pretty hard in the background and the Ministry of Education, um, they they changed their mind. And so that build is now continuing. So that was what Garth's input was really about, is that, you know, people do have power. Um, we just have to keep fighting. We just have to make sure that we keep demanding. I mean, the temporary accommodation services um You know, a lot of people, their their insurance is running out. So remembering that people can't live in their homes, they still have to pay mortgages on. So they're now renting. And a lot of the insurance that they had for that is starting to run out. And so there was a lot of fighting, a lot of lobbying. And I know Tez themselves worked pretty hard and um, I think it's through MSD. And now they've come up with a fund that you, they'll actually contribute towards your rent payments. So when you're all out of money from insurance, they'll actually stump up and help. And so that's just taken some of the stress away for these families. Right. So yep. It's, you know, five months a bit late, but, um, you know, don't look at good horse in the mouth, always, because at least we've got it.
0: Okay, and um, you did have the police minister there um, and there were, um, you know, there was talk of, you know, of crime after this with um, people standing over people and uh, looting, etc. cetera. Did, um, was she able to uh, speak to any of that?
1: No, because it really wasn't about crime, but you know I, I can talk about that because when when she so we had the first meeting at Crab Farm, and that's where we presented to these ministers. That's uh, the Minister of Police, then Stuart Nash, and they basically came. It was at again National and Labor. They listened to the community about what was happening because we were told that it wasn't actually happening, and they had four weeks to. See what we could change, and there were a few changes made. We finally got a dedicated number that people could ring for crime. You know how you ring one oh five. People were waiting forty five minutes on that line, so they <laughs> they changed it so that you could go one oh six and or press something if you're cycling. Boy, I
0: bet that took a huge amount of uh, work to do, eh? <laughs> Changing yeah. the number by one digit. My you know, God, and it must took have been the community tough. Community
1: to make that suggestion, uh, which is a a huge worry. Um, So when we had the second meeting, which was for them to come back and say what they'd changed and what they would do, that was when the new minister was Ginny Anderson and she refused to come because it's too political, which was a bit hilarious. Um, Considering she's a
0: politician. She's a a bloody politician, for God's sake. Yeah,
1: she didn't. Obviously, Chris Hopkins didn't go over the job description with her. Um, But I did meet with her the following week and we put everything to her. It took three months to get a response from her. And the response, I didn't even bother going to the media. because It was so, it was so wishy-washy. It was just... Lame. Completely lame. Um, couldn't comment on the defence thing here, you know. And my point, and it was brought up again at the meeting, is, okay, so they've said it's too hard to get the defence force to come out and help the police.
0: Why is it too hard?
1: Because it makes them look bad.
0: Yeah, so that's and, not hard. So so practically, uh, practically physically, it's not hard at all. they just got to jump in their helicopters and, and drive their trucks and they're there, right? That's right.
1: Logistically, absolutely correct. Yeah, but okay. um, to make the government look bad, that's why they wouldn't do it. And Stuart Nash stood up in the meeting and said that. So I'm not making this stuff up. Um, so my point last night, on Friday night, was, well, if they can't be used to help the police, why were they standing around hotels in Auckland Guarding MiQ because isn't that what we asked for? We asked them to guard the roadblocks so that the criminals couldn't come into our communities. It was okay for them to guard MiQ so that good, good and citizens stop me, couldn't and get stop,
0: out and stop me leaving Auckland. Actually.
1: You got it. You got it. And Fascist. they and they were that's what they were used for. But they couldn't be used here to keep bugs out of our out of our completely vulnerable communities. And to me. That is just BS. That is absolutely despicable.
0: You see, it it, it, it keeps coming back to this feeling of them not caring. Just saying, okay. I don't know. Um, I think we've got a pretty good idea of what happened there at that meeting on Friday. Any last words from either of you before we end this chat?
2: Daniel. Yeah. So from me, from me. The biggest kick in the guts uh, since we last chatted was when I read the article about the $19 million going to the wetlands somewhere in Asia. I think it was the Philippines. Ah, uh, right. Yep. And um, in the article on the Stuff website, it stated that the money was going there to help mitigate uh, against flooding and so that people didn't get displaced out of their homes. Oh, I see. Imagine how I felt. Yeah.
1: I was kind. I said five million. I got
0: that wrong. Nineteen, million, eh? no. that 19 million, That is a kick in the yeah. guts.
1: That oh. is a kick
2: in the guts. Yeah, so me, my family, all my family actually, brother, um, sister, we're all displaced. Um. Yeah, yeah we've got we got kids, etc. So to see that, that they can't spend that here so we don't get displaced in our own country. Yeah. Not yeah, that's a,
0: it's pretty rugged, pretty rough. I hear you. and yeah. uh, Louise any any thing to say before we finish um, up?
1: I guess I guess like there's a lot of kick in the guts as I think and I think fundings probably my big bug there um you've got all this funding that people have given and it all seems to go to these places like councils like Red Cross so that we've got no access to it basically and um, I mean I've got a big fund application in at red cross so that i can help my just my little neighbors to try and give them something so that they can use the money and i'm not going to get it i know that they want to give but you know what they gave me and this is it's, it's been quite funny handing them out to my neighbors they gave me um cleanup kits and they're beautiful cleanup kits they're brand new hoses and shovels and rakes and um ppe gear it's five months too late. We've done it. We we did it without the Red Cross. So it's just you know again kicking the guts. I need money for my neighbours. I got shovels. I don't need shovels.
0: Yeah, the Red Cross they came under some criticism early on for holding back on on the money. A- am I right there? Yeah. And they still are. They still so they've got money sitting there in their accounts. Yep. yep. Presumably attracting some sort of interest.
1: Probably. I don't know. Um, And they
0: haven't paid out yet, yet they're putting themselves across as this wonderful organisation that looks after people in need, yet they've got the bank vault shut tight pretty well.
1: Yep, and if you go on the website and have a look, they are transparent at least, you can go and have a look and see exactly where the money's gone. And it's filtering out there, but again, it's... um,
0: Is it too slow?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And a Why lot of. Why is
0: everything it, so slow? Everything seems to be so damn slow.
1: Because everybody's scared of breaking the rules. And that's what I liked what David Seymour said. Let's change the rules in a disaster. You know, let's be okay about making mistakes. So some of the money goes to the wrong place. So what? So long as most of it goes to the right place.
0: Well, where did people get so timid?
1: Um, legislation, I guess. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, it's.
1: But you know, the media probably have to take. Sorry, oh, but the media probably have to take. You're a not,
0: of, us, not, not us, not us, not
1: you. No, that's why I like about you guys. But you know, you you look at um someone says something and the media are on it. So of course people are scared, are timid because they'll, they'll they'll be um, uh criticized and lose their jobs and you know, and yeah. sometimes so they should. But um, I mean, you've got what happened to Stuart Nash, you know. And I bet you he's thinking, well, I didn't do as bad as Buddy Kitty Allen.
0: Yeah, well, there's a story there too, apparently. But yeah, I hear what you're saying.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a story there too.
0: But I think it's... Okay. Well, let's be honest. They're in disarray. It's it's pretty obvious. Yes, it's like
1: watching a train wreck in slow
0: motion, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. um, Well, that's uh, interesting coming up to date and hearing about uh, what happened at that meeting. And really good to hear, Daniel, that you're on the road to recovery, so to speak.
2: Yeah, she'll
0: be long but uh, we'll get there eventually. Yeah not uh, not through a lack of effort from you by the sounds of things and your family and your friends. In the end it's all you can count on, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, you've got to have a good support network. You can't rely on government?
0: No. I mean not that everybody should rely totally on government but but um, no. I mean government is only government aid is only the collective hand of all the citizens really. And if people want to help, they don't like seeing their fellow citizens in trouble, but um it's you know people nah. get in the way, right
2: yeah, yeah well, uh the big thing for me is I want to be invested in you know look at look at the valley and the people that want to stay and rebuild as an investment we yeah. want to pay tax, I want to pay lots of tax, in fact, yeah, because if I'm doing that, I'm being successful
0: yeah, of course, yeah, how do you think the money arrives in the first place, exactly. Hmm. All right. Um that sounds like we've pretty well gone through everything. Any any last comments before we hit the hit the button to stop?
1: Please keep this out in the media. Please keep it out there because you know we are still here. Yeah. We still need help and we need and you know, the rest of New Zealand's been really great. They still come into the community to help us. So yeah, we're still here.
2: Okay, and Daniel? Yeah, no extra comments. I think I've had all I need to say today. Okay, then. Well,
0: um, Daniel Gale and Louise Parsons, good to catch up with you again. And, you know, we'll keep an eye on it ongoing. But uh, it was good to have an update. So thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Paul. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.